Good morning, everybody. Welcome to class. Take your textbooks out, please, and turn to Joshua chapter 2. And I want to welcome you to the Summer School of Faith. This morning, we're looking at the life and the faith of Rahab. Now, before we go any further, let me just point out to you that we have been going through the 11th chapter of Hebrews. We're learning all about these godly men and women of faith. Rahab stands out as, as unusual for a few reasons, and you're going to see in just a moment. But let me just say this, that she is one of the few women that is actually mentioned in this chapter. She is a prostitute, and she is mentioned three times in the New Testament as a, as a godly woman of faith. Have you ever sat in class and... You're listening to the teacher, and you don't really know what the teacher's talking about, and you're wondering, what is going on here? And it's, it's sort of in one ear and out the other. It's just not taking root, not understanding it. You have no clue of what's going on. I uh, had that happen to me once in high school. I signed up for a computer programming course, and I missed the first few weeks of that class. And by the time it came time for me to sit in and listen to the lectures, I realized I had no idea what the teacher was talking about, and eventually I did have to drop out. Well, I discovered that the reason I couldn't catch on is because I missed some of the foundational truth as to why, uh, why I couldn't understand what was going on. Now, some of you may be sitting here today as we talk about faith, and we talk about Rahab, and it's, like, it's kind of like, I, I'm not really getting all this. Don't know, I don't know why I don't understand this. Well, this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some foundational information to help you understand why this story is important, why Rahab is important, and why her faith is so important. But there's a second reason, and I'm going to get to the first in just a, a moment, but there's a second reason why we come to church maybe and we hear the preacher preach and we don't, don't understand it all, we don't get it all. And it's, it's for this reason. Uh, Paul says to the believers in Corinth, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. Watch this. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So I want to take a moment right now and pray and ask God to open your heart to hear the truth, to understand this truth, and to be able to apply it to your life. I'm, my prayer is that you'll be transformed today, truly changed. So let's take a moment right now to pray. Can we do that? Father, thank you that we are able to meet together in your name. Thank you, God, for what you want to do in the hearts and the lives of every person gathered here today to hear your word. We pray, God, that, that you would take the blindness from our eyes. Help us, God, to understand. Your word tells us that, that the natural mind can't receive spiritual truth. And so we're asking, God, that, that you would enable us this morning. We're reminded that the God of this world is blinding the eyes of those who are perishing. And God, this morning, we don't want to perish. We want to have life, and we want to have it more abundantly. And so we're asking, God, by your Spirit, open our, our hearts to hear your voice. And so we pray all this in your name. And everyone said it? Amen. So if you, if you agreed with me in prayer and you believe what I just prayed, then God's going to speak to you today. So I'm going to begin by talking 
first about uh, Rahab's story. And we read in Hebrews chapter 11, remember that's our, our theme chapter this summer. We read this, there's just one verse about here, and here's what it says. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, I'm going to unpack that this morning, and we're going to try to really understand what it is that that is so important about Rahab and about her faith. So let's just take a look at Rahab once again. I don't know if this is really what she looked like, but uh, it'll give you something to think about as we we talk. So our first lesson uh, comes from the sixth book of uh, uh, of the Old Testament. It's the book of Joshua. The first five books, we we went through some of the characters in those books, but in Joshua, we see Israel coming into the promised land, and we find uh, Joshua coming against the city of Jericho, and you remember last year we talked about, or last, last Sunday, we talked about the walls and how they came tumbling down. Well, let's go back to the first five books, because it's important to see that foundation for what's to come in the books that follow. In the first five books, we uh, we come, first of all, across Noah. And Noah, he's just come through the flood. Uh, they've gotten off the ark now. They've seen the rainbow in the sky. And uh, Noah is celebrating, and he has a little bit much, too much to drink. Uh, alcohol is, is deadly, and it causes all kinds of problems. And, and this is the first thing that we see happen after Noah gets off the, the ark. In fact, his son Canaan finds Noah drunk, and we, he finds, uh, he finds uh, his dad in a, in, a, in a sort of a compromised state, and he begins to mock his dad and laugh at his dad, and in fact gets his brothers and says, you got to come and see this. you got to see dad. He's just in a terrible state. Well, once Noah sobers up and he recognizes what's happened and how his son has mocked him, Noah pronounces a curse on on Canaan. In fact, it's a curse that says Canaan and his family will become slaves. Now, it's important to to recognize this before we go any further, because understand this, it's to the land of Canaan that God is bringing the Israelites, and it's Canaan's land that God gives uh, gives to the children of Israel. That's why we call it Canaan. That's why we call it call these people the Canaanites or the land of the Canaanites. Let's, uh, let's go past Noah then. When we find Abraham is gets, gets a, a promise from God, and God says to uh, Abraham, Abraham, because of your faith, you are going to have so many offspring that you will not even be able to count them like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the, on the beach. There'll be so many you can't even number them. And so what happens, Israel, you know the story of of Israel, uh, they go into Egypt through Joshua, we talked about Joshua, when they get there, they get settled there, Uh, time goes on, and the the people in in Egypt, they don't trust the Israelites anymore, and next thing you know, the Israelites are being enslaved by the Egyptians, and now they're being badly treated, and now what's happening is is that the people are crying out to God. God, send us a deliverer. Help us. We're in big trouble. We need your help. And so God answers their prayer, and he sends them Moses. And Moses 
goes in, and you know the story. We talked about him a few weeks ago because he's also mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Moses goes before Pharaoh and, and, and demands that Pharaoh let his people go. You know the story. Uh, Pharaoh says, no, 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 no. Egypt is inundated with all kinds of plagues. And finally, the firstborn of all the Egyptians dies. And finally, Pharaoh lets the Israelites go. Moses brings Israel through the Red Sea. Remember, he, he separates the Red Sea. Miraculously, the children of Israel come through on dry land. They come into the wilderness. They have now come up to the border of the promised land, Canaan. And, and Moses says, uh, we're ready to go in. And God says, not yet. You got to send in 12 spies. You need to send a spy from every, from every tribe. I want, to, I want you to send them in and find out what's going on. Now, here's the thing, folks. Moses does not understand fully that this is a test. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but we don't know. He doesn't say anything. But I can assure you that the children of Israel do not understand that they are about to face a massive test. The 12 spies go into Canaan. They check it out. Two of the 12 are saying, man, this is fantastic. Look at the land flows with milk and honey. It's just a brilliant place to live. But the other 10 spies who also see that the land is flowing with milk and honey, they also see that the people there are giants. And they're terrified. And they come back to Moses and they say, you know what? It is a beautiful land. There's no doubt about it. However, the people there are giants and the people there uh, see us as though we were grasshoppers. We were that tiny in their eyes. Now, I, I doubt very much that any of these uh, spies were going to interview any of the people in the promised land. But in their mind, they had constructed this, this whole narrative. We looked like grasshoppers in their eyes, and, and in our eyes, they were giants. So they came back and they said, there's no way we can do this. I don't know why, Moses, why did Moses bring us here? We shouldn't be here. We should have stayed where we were. Uh, God obviously doesn't care about us. If he loved us, it wouldn't be like this. We're in big trouble. And the people go hysterical. They have no faith. They don't want to trust God. And God is furious. And he says, for that, none of you, none of this generation is going into the promised land. Now, this is, uh, this is pretty, pretty amazing because all these people have gone through all of the plagues. They've, they've seen the miracles. You know, when I was a kid, I'd read the story of Israel coming out of the promised land and they get, or coming out of Egypt, going to the promised land and getting to the very border and then not going in. And I thought to myself, man, these people are so stupid. How could they be so dumb? After seeing all the things that God has done for them, why didn't they get into the promised land? How could they not have the faith? That's when I was little. Now that I'm older, I find myself falling into the same trap that the Israelites fell into, forgetting what God has done in our lives. I want the Spirit of God to speak to you right now because it's so easy to forget, isn't it? What God has done in your past so that at the moment when you are faced with another test of faith, you, you say, I can't do it. You throw up your arms. It's not going to work. It can't happen. It's hopeless. You might as well give up. There's no point in even trying anymore. Has that ever happened to you? You've seen so much of what God has done in your life. You became a Christian. You were on fire for God. And somewhere, somehow, you just lost the fire. You've lost your enthusiasm. You've lost your excitement. Well, that's what happened to Israel. 
God says that for that, you're not going into the promised land. It'll be the next generation that goes in. So this is, where we're, this is now where we, 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 we uh, come back to the story here. Israel has wandered for 40 years. They've come now to the borders again. Last week, we talked about how Israel came into the promised land, but there's another story within the story, and it's a story of Rahab. Joshua, not taking any chances. I'm not sending in 12 spies. I know what happened last time. I'm only going to send in two. He sends in these two spies. They get into Jericho, into the city. Their job is to, is to, to, to scout it out, to find out what's going on there. But before they can see anything in the city, they actually end up at Rahab's house, and by the way, she's a prostitute, uh, but really only one taken in strangers. And so these strangers, these spies, they come into her home and somebody spots them. They can't, they can't complete their, their mission as Joshua appointed them. And so what happens is that they just stay at Rahab's house and the king of Jericho, he comes, sends his, uh, sends his, his henchmen and says, you know, you got to bring these spies out. We've got to talk to them and and Rahab refuses, and she says, well, come and find them yourself. And, and little do they know that, uh, that she's hiding them. She's hiding them under some bundles of flax. And she refuses to give up these men. And then we find that Rahab's house being built into the walls of the city she lets these spies down from her house. And, uh, and this is what the spies say to her as they're leaving. When you come into the land, that, uh, when we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. This is, this is, the, this is the deal. Because she has faithfully hidden these spies her life is going to be spared. In fact, all of her family is going to be spared because of her faith. And so what happens next is the spies escape and Israel marches around the walls of Jericho. And you remember last week we said they marched around once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, God says, you need to walk around seven times. And after the seventh time round, the priests must blow the, the trumpets, the ram's horns, and then everybody must give a mighty shout. And then you know the story. The walls come tumbling down. And all Jericho is destroyed, except Rahab and all of her family. That's Rahab's story, but I want to talk now about Rahab's faith. Because this is where it really gets interesting. Now, I told you the first time that Israel sent spies into Canaan, it was 12 spies. 10 of them came back with such negative reports that they literally killed the faith of all the other Israelites. And this caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, before I go any further, I'd like, I'd like you to stop and consider your life for a moment. I really want the Spirit of God to speak to you right now. Because here's what I know about a number of you today. You are literally wandering in the desert right now. The proverbial desert. You're, you know you're not where you need to be spiritually. Your life is not on fire. You've lost the zeal. You've lost the excitement. 
You used to be so on fire for God, you would pray and you would see miracles and life was fantastic and it was so good to be a Christian. But somewhere along the line, you've lost your fire. You've lost your zeal. In fact, you pray and it just feels like your prayers are hitting, hitting the ceiling. It's not getting anywhere. You feel like your life is empty. You've lost your joy. You've lost your hope. Everything seems hopeless and it feels like nothing is going to change. If that describes you today, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that some point along the way, you stopped believing and trusting God. Somewhere along the way, you, you lost your faith. Because here's what I can tell you today. Faith always brings us into the promises of God. If you want to see miracles take place in your life, if you want to see God answer your prayer, then you need to go back to the place where you lost your faith and you need to get it back. You say, Pastor Ron, that just seems so impossible. I don't even know if I can even sort of pinpoint one event. It seems like there's a whole mass of events that brought me to the place where I lost my faith. Well, here's the good news, folks, is that you can actually get your faith back and you can get it back today. Because I can tell you this right now, God never, ever fails. The Bible declares it, and many of us who live by faith will also declare that God will never fail. Would you tell the person beside you, God will never fail you? God will never fail you. But yet some of you are sitting here today saying, but God has failed me. No, God hasn't failed you. You have just at some point stopped understanding the workings of God in your life. At some point along the way, you stopped believing God and doing what he, what he says. Here's what you and I need to understand today. God is calling us to live according to what we know, what has been revealed to us. And I'm going to tell you, you start taking those baby steps of faith, all the things God tells you to do, you start doing it, and you are going to find that your life begins to change. In fact, it'll change beyond your wildest dreams. You say, Pastor Allen, how do I know what God wants me to do? Well, folks, there's a little thing called the Word of God, the Bible. And in this book, it tells us how to live. It tells us what to do, and it tells us what not to do. When you take those steps of faith, you say, God, I'm going to believe what you say here, and I'm going to start doing it. By the way, that's why you have to read your Bible on a regular basis. Not once in a while. For some of you, you haven't read your Bible for months. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. You'll be happy to know. But for some of you, you haven't read it for a week or two weeks. And then you wonder why you've lost your fire. I'm telling you, folks, God designed us to walk with him on a daily basis. In fact, when we go to the Garden of Eden, we discover that that's exactly what used to happen. God walked with Adam and Eve. It was a regular habit. It was, the, it was just the way it was. Let's get back to Joshua and Rahab. So she, Joshua, he's not taking any chances. He's only sending in two spies, only two spies who will go and, and, and see what's going on. Now, here's the thing, folks. These spies, when they get there, they don't really see anything. They only see Rahab, and they only hear what Rahab's got to say. I want to read it to you because it's 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 powerful. Listen to what it says in Joshua chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 8. 
It says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Did you hear that? The words of a total pagan who has not read the law of Moses, never heard a sermon in her life. All she has heard or seen is what the God of Israel has done. And here's what she knows based solely on what God has done for Israel. The Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Wow. There's some people sitting here today that don't even know that. You've been coming to church for years. You still don't understand that about the God that you serve. He is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Some would say hallelujah. That wasn't bad. Then Rehab says this, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my family, my father, mother, my brothers and sisters. And the spies say, we offer you our lives as a guarantee for your safety. Wow. I want you to see now the significance of what has just happened, what's just transpired. Joshua has sent in two spies, and all they get out of their fact-finding mission are these words from Rahab. I know, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone, everyone in the land is living in terror. Folks, do you recognize that God used Rahab to preach a sermon to all of Israel? God can use whomever he pleases to get the job done. And in this case, Israel needed to hear this great message of faith. Those spies, when they went to Jericho to spy it out, they thought they were going to see the whole city, but God had another plan for these spies. God wanted those spies to listen to the words of Rahab and Rahab alone. And Rahab says, you guys, you've got the real deal. You've got the real God. You've got the God who can, who can do anything. She declares that she's not trusting in her gods. She's trusting in the God of Israel. Now, this, this act secures for her her life and the lives of her family. But even more than that, here's what you need to understand. Her faith and her message is actually taken back to Israel. And when those two spies got back to Israel, I can tell you there is no doubt, there is no whining, no complaining. There's nobody saying, well, I don't think we can do it. Those spies came back and said, everybody there 
understands who our God is. Everybody in that city knows we are going to win. Wow. And now the thing that God's called Israel to do, which seems so strange, so weird, it just beggars description. What on earth is this about? Now Israel is marching around the walls of Jericho every day, as God says, with confidence, with boldness, with assurance, with the knowledge that God is going to do something spectacular. Why? Because of the message that Rahab preached to those two spies. A message of faith. She knows who the God of Israel is. And her faith inspires a whole nation. I want you to understand something today. I want you to understand who your God is. I want you to know who the God is that you're serving. When my dad used to bring us to job sites to do plumbing, sometimes he'd leave us there on our own. We'd be, we're very young, but, you know, I, I think I was like I was 12 years old with, with mustache, something like that, maybe younger. I don't know. I, I was like a man. I was like a, a little boy, and then I was a full-grown man. And so I, my dad dropped us off on the job site. We would work. And I remember one particular time, one of, the, uh, one of the tradesmen was giving us some grief, probably the electricians. There's always a bit of a feud between the electricians and the, and the plumbers, right, Jordan? There's always a bit of a clash. And uh, one of the electricians, he was, he was digging his trenches, I was digging my trenches, and as far as he was concerned, my trenches were getting in the way of his trenches. They're laying their, their conduit, I'm, we're laying our pipe. And he just started taking a strip off me. I was a young kid, and, uh, and uh, I mean, I was powerless. What's a young kid going to do, stand up against this big guy that's older than me, broader than me, and mouthier? Not that I was ever mouthy. Anyways, my dad comes back, and you can tell instantly something's wrong. So I told my dad what happened. I said, Dad, you know, this guy's giving me grief. I did exactly what you were telling me to do. And my dad's, where is he? Where, where is this guy? Show, show, show it to me. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this thing. So there's dad in front of me, and there's, there's me behind my dad. And my dad's coming to this guy and says, who do you think you are? And I'm like, right behind my dad. Suddenly, I've got courage, man. There's my dad before me letting this guy have it, and I'm right behind him. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now, folks, because you got a dad. You've got an Abba Father who goes before you. You've got an Abba Father who's fighting your battles. You have an Abba Father that you need to learn to trust to help you through whatever it is that you're going through right now. Because right now, frankly, you don't think you can face another day. Right now, you don't think you're going to be able to hold your marriage together. Your family's a mess. You don't think you're going to keep your finances together. But I'm telling you today, you've got an Abba Father who loves you and is not going to forsake you. He's not going to forget you. He's going to go before you. He's going to help you. But you got to trust him. Imagine if my dad came back to the job site and, Alan, what happened? Oh, I don't want to say. I'm, I'm, I can't say. It's, I'll, just, I'll just bear it alone, Dad. No way. I'm talking to my dad. My dad, I'm telling you, in the day, he had pipes. I don't mean the kind you put in the ground. 
I mean, he loved to show us his pipes. <laughs> we used to put our hands around his pipes. And no one's going to tell my dad what to do. Well, I'm going to tell you, we've got someone far greater who's our advocate. We have the God, the supreme God of the universe on our side. Do you hear what I'm saying today, people? And this is what Rahab is saying to the spies. Do you guys know who your God is? Do you understand who he is? Do you understand his power and his ability? For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. This is your God. And he goes before you. And I'm going to tell you, we need to learn what it means to trust him and to believe in his ability to help us through whatever it is that we're going through. Now listen, I've been teaching us all through the summer months the, the importance of tests. We are all going to be tested. Listen to me, the Christian life, if you want to know, is all about testing. You're constantly being tested. The way you're tested in school. And the only way you're going to advance to the next grade is by passing the tests. Now, some of you, you've been going to church your whole life and you're still in the same grade. You've never advanced. You've never grown. You've never, you've never moved past where you are right now. Look, I'm not condemning you or judging you, but really, isn't it time to move on? Isn't it, start, isn't it time to start advancing in your Christian life? The writer of Hebrews says, man, you guys are still on milk. What's the matter with you? You should be eating meat by now. I mean, Nicholas, you saw Nicholas here today. I mean, this guy's eating meat now. He's not just, just not on the bottle. I mean, the milk bottle. Some of us are. And the writer of Hebrews says, come on, people. It's time to advance. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature. God's testing you, folks. And if you don't understand this, because some of you don't understand why life is hard, and I'm going to tell you, your whole life is a series of tests from the day you're born to the day you die. But I'm going to tell you, especially once you become a Christian, oh, the psalmist says, oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end. And may you establish the righteous. Look at this. You who test the minds and hearts, oh, righteous God. That's who God is. He's constantly testing you. And he's expecting you to start passing some of these tests, to grow up, to mature, to advance. Anybody ever remember the Beverly Hillbillies? Come on. I think, do this, it still reruns on TV? Yeah. In case you don't know who, who the Beverly Hillbillies are, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies came from, well, they were hillbillies who came to live in Beverly Hills. And one of the, uh, one of the, the main characters, his name is Jethro Bodine. You know who he is. He's a full-grown man, and boy, he loves to graduate, or loves to brag about the fact that he graduated from grade six. And Granny's so, so impressed and so proud of Jethro because he graduated from grade six. Allie Mae, who I don't know if she went to school, she was proud of him, and Jed's proud of Jethro. They, they create some great jokes out of that fact. Because we all know how ridiculous it is that a grown man would be, would be bragging about graduating from grade six. And yet, you know what? Far too many of us 
who haven't even made it through grade six when it comes to the spiritual realm. Where are you at spiritually? Are you growing still? The minute you stop trusting God and stop doing what he tells you to do is the minute that you stop growing and you stop passing tests. But I can tell you that Rahab passed the test. In fact, Rahab was the only one in all of Jericho that passed the test. You say, Pastor John, what are you talking about? What do you mean she's the only one that passed the test? Did you hear what she said? She said, everybody in this, in this city knows who your God is and knows the power of your God. And yet only Rahab said, I'm going, I'm going over to the God of Israel. She's the only one that passed the test. The rest sat back and did nothing. Can I ask you a question today? Is that you? Sitting back and doing nothing, not trusting God, not taking those steps of faith, not branching out, stepping out, doing what God wants you to do? Rahab, Rahab understood where her hope was. And it wasn't in the king of Jericho. It wasn't in the gods of Jericho. It was in the God of Israel. And she says, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to tell you, folks, faith is always proved by its actions. Because you can sit here today and say, Pastor John, I'm a, I'm a woman of great faith. I have great faith. Yeah? Show me. In fact, that's what the New Testament says. You can talk about your faith, but that talk is cheap. Show it to me. Rahab's first test was this. Would she, in fact, protect these spies of God? Did you notice I called them the spies of God? She knew who they were. James 2.25, it says, Rahab the prostitute is an example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions. Did you get that? She was shown to be right by God, right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. James explains what he means in verse 24. We are shown to be right with God by what we do, not faith alone. You see, Pastor John, I thought, I thought faith was the main thing. Yeah, but look at faith without works is dead. That's what James tells us. The proof that you are trusting God is by what you do. Are you doing what God tells you to do? You've heard me tell you this many, many times. We teach the seven habits here, which you can read on the wall in the atrium immediately after the service. The top of the list is a daily walk with God. That's the action. The faith is when I go to meet with God, God will speak to me. And so you go and meet with God, that's, that's an act of faith. And when you meet with God and you pray and you read your Bible, then God will speak to you. And God will help you get through whatever it is that you're going through. I'm going to tell you, folks, I cannot survive without my daily fix with God. That's essentially what my son Nicholas just said. He went over to Israel, and it, it revolutionized his life. Because now he's taking these steps of faith of connecting with God. And God's speaking to him. Frankly, when Nicholas came home, I, it's like, I don't even know this guy. Not just because he lost 30 pounds. But he's, he's changed on the inside. What's happened to him? Nick took these steps of faith. He believed God. He did what God said. And God came through. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, God will do for you what he did for Nicholas. And God will do for you what he did for Rahab. Rahab passed another test. Would she become fearful and report the spies? 
I'm going to, can I share with you a verse that's really quite shocking? In fact, it's going to probably really surprise you, and you probably didn't even know this was in the Bible. Um, But I'm going to tell you right now that God is not happy when we're fearful. Did you know that? God wants us to trust him, wants us to believe him. Israel, the first time around, they were fearful. They wouldn't trust God. Israel, the second time around, they trusted God. They were not fearful. Watch this. Revelation 21, verse 8. It says, but cowards and unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I remember, I I read this many, many times over the years, but a few years back, as I was reading this, this jumped out at me. Because I want you to look at this list. You could say, well, yeah, I could see idol worshipers ending up in the fiery lake and definitely people who practice witchcraft, they would end up in the fiery lake. Those who are immoral, murderers for sure should end up in the lake of fiery, uh, the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The corrupt, yes, but cowards and unbelievers? That seems a bit harsh. Folks, I want to tell you something. The very essence of being a Christian is that we believe God and do what he says. That's what faith is. It means that we have a courage that comes from heaven that enables us to do everything that God wants us to do. God wants us to be courageous and not cowards. God wants us to believe and to trust him. And I'm going to tell you, Rahab... She had every reason to be fearful. They came to her door. They knocked on her. They searched her house. The king himself is saying, give me those spies. And she says, no. She was no coward. She was a believer in the God of Israel. There's a third test that Rahab passes. Would she hang out that scarlet rope that the Spies told her to hang from her window. I mean, she could have thought, man, if I hang this out, this would be a sign to my people that I'm doing something illegal. But she did exactly what she was told to do. And here's what it says in Joshua 6.25. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute. Keep calling her a prostitute. But that's what she was. God spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in her house because... She had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And then it says, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Wow. Rahab's Rahab's DNA is in the Israelite people to this day. But here's something that might really shock you. Rahab is actually a great-grandmother to Jesus Christ himself. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 to 6, Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. And you know, King David was a great-grandfather of Jesus himself. I'm telling you, folks, when you take that step of faith and trust God, there's no telling what God can do with your life. 
you're sitting here today and not wonder, or you're maybe wondering about the future and maybe even your heart's filled with fear even now about, about tomorrow, about this week, about the year ahead, about your finances, your marriage, whatever. I'm telling you today, you need to take that step of faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. And everything your word tells me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in faith, believing that you're going to bring me through. That you're going to answer my prayers. That I'm going to experience those miracles. You're going to heal my marriage. You're going to heal my relationships. You're going to help me at work. You're going to help me with my finances. That's what God wants to do for you. But you're going to have to start doing what he says. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you right now for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God, that you do not come condemning or judging. You come loving us and teaching us how to live. And you've taught us this morning through Rahab what it means and what happens when we pass these tests that we're facing. And when we pass these tests, doing what you want, forgiving rather than holding a grudge, giving rather than, than, than being miserly and, and ungenerous, inviting people into our homes rather than, than rejecting people, signing up for a small group even though we may be afraid to connect with people, doing our devotions every day even though it seems like we don't have time to do them, going to church every Sunday even though maybe in our heart we'd rather go to the beach. God, we show up and do these things you tell us to do, and we know that the blessing always follows. So this morning, God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would empower us by your spirit to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you today, God, for the grace to be men and women of faith. Now, Lord, pour out your blessing upon your people as we go from this place in faith. Faith is backed up by action in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, go live out your faith.